What is up, guys? It's Alex Johnson here, the founder and lead analyst at YardsPerFantasy.com. Welcome to the 108th episode of the Feed Me Fantasy Podcast. Let's eat. A.J. Brown traded to the Eagles. That was one of the biggest, most shocking moments of the NFL draft. One hell of a weekend. That first round was very, very active as far as trading and moving around the board and, you know, just guys sliding out of the damn first round altogether. It was crazy. Absolutely crazy. So much fun. I freaking love the NFL draft. And that one reminded me exactly why. But A.J. Brown, from the Titans to the Eagles, I don't know if it really affects A.J. Brown's value that much. A little bit. I mean, he was going from the clear, clear, clear number one. Nobody else in that offense, really. I mean, uh, Robert Woods coming off an ACL. Um, Really no other options in that passing game. He's going from that to the Eagles, who run the ball as much as anybody in the league. And he does have to share a little bit more with Devontae Smith and with Dallas Goddard. But I don't think it's it's this big, massive drop-off. You know, in, in target share, in opportunities for A.J. Brown. You know, it's a little bit, but not, not, not this big, massive thing. But hell, it's it's fantastic for Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts' value is going skyrocketing. They're committing to Jalen Hurts in a way by going after an AJ Brown, giving up that draft capital, giving up the the, the contract that they, they're giving to AJ Brown. This is saying, hey, Jalen Hurts is the guy. We're gonna give him every opportunity to prove that he is the guy. So I think this is fantastic. They didn't have much to work with as far as weapons last year, the last two years, that Jalen Hurts has had an opportunity to, to play quarterback in that offense. And now they, they go out and get one of the you know one of the biggest, strongest beasts in the NFL, an absolute alpha wide receiver, a monster after the catch. I love this for Jalen Hurts. This is fantastic for him. And it's not so great. It's not so good for Devontae Smith, let me tell you. And I thought that was like common knowledge. Uh, at, shortly after the trade, I, I tweeted out just RIP Devontae Smith. I mean, obviously it's an exaggeration. He's still still going to be, you know, an option in that, in that offense and have some fantasy value. But he goes from the the wide receiver one in that offense to the wide receiver two in the in, at best, the third option in the passing game behind behind Brown and, and Dallas Goddard. So I put out in a tweet, RIP Devontae Smith, thought nothing of it, and then I get some pushback on it, which I was really I was really surprised about that. Are you really that passionate about, about Devontae Smith? And one in particular came into my mentions. I don't know who he is, but look at his Twitter bio. Apparently, he's, he, he considers himself a dynasty analyst. He really pushed back on it. And I was I was shocked. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I thought it was pretty obvious that this is not good for Devontae Smith. He was like, "How the hell is this? Is this bad? There's no way you can think this is bad for Devontae Smith." I don't remember exactly what he said, but something along that line. 
How you you don't you can't actually think this is bad for Devontae Smith? Like what? What? How how can you think it's good for Devontae Smith? How is it not bad for Devontae Smith? They're bringing in an alpha wide receiver. He's losing his job. And yeah, sure, sure. They're going to pass the ball a little bit more than they did in 2021. I mean, I think we were projecting that anyway. I mean, they're going from the, the stone worst, stone bottom of the league in pass attempts. I think we naturally project that to increase. Uh, Jalen Hurts in his second year as as the full-time starting quarterback in the offense. I think we can naturally project He's going to throw the ball more. He's going to get more opportunities. And then they go out and they bring an A.J. Brown in. Of course, he's, they're going to throw the ball more. However, throwing the ball more than what they did in 2021 does not equal throwing the ball a lot. Is a big difference there. There's a big difference between throwing more and throwing a lot. They're still going to be one of the lower pass volume offenses in the NFL. I mean, at absolute best they'll be league average. I mean, that's absolute best case scenario for that passing offense. So it's still going to be a low-volume offense. And now he's, you know, Devontae Smith is, is losing that wide receiver one chair. He's, he's going to be behind, well behind, A.J. Brown in the pecking order. He's going to be behind Dallas Goddard. So he's the third option and one of the league's lowest passing volume offenses. I mean, how is this not bad for Devontae Smith? It's terrible for Devontae Smith. The hell? I, I can't believe I had to come on here and, and make that case. I thought that was that was obvious, but apparently not. But you know what is obvious? Is that you should be entering Best Ball Mania 3 on Underdog Fantasy. It is Live and let me tell you, let me tell you, the prize the prize pool in this thing is ginormous. I think it's record breaking. So it's a ten million dollar prize pool. That's right, ten million dollar prize pool in Best Ball Mania Three on Underdog Fantasy. Just a twenty five dollar entry, two million to first place. Another million goes to second place. And one million to the regular season champion. You don't even have to win the whole fucking tournament. Just be the highest scoring team during the regular season. Boom. Million dollars. It's unbelievable. The biggest best ball contest ever. And you can get into it right now. Just a $25 entry. And if you use our promo code YARDSPER you'll get a 100% deposit match up to $100. So if you're going to enter Best Ball Mania, you're going to put in that $25 you know, deposit down for the first time on Underdog Fantasy. You're going to use promo code YARDSPER, and now you've got $50 in your account to make a second entry into Best Ball Mania. And hell, I'm gonna, I'd be putting the whole friggin' $100 in. And now, it's, now all of a sudden I got $200 in my account. That's eight entries into Best Ball Mania. Four of them for free. Hell. Like, why wouldn't you do that? It's officially, officially, officially Best Ball season. So make sure you get into this tournament. Yards per is the promo code. Let's go. 
and you can get some of these rookies. Some of these rookies, they're still at fantastic values on the board in that tournament and others on Underdog Fantasy. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go, we're just going to go down the line. We're going to go through the draft, go through the the fantasy relevant selections. I'm going to give you a quick, uh, a quick take. I can't think of the freaking phrase. Uh, whatever. We're going to go through it quickly, and I'm going to I'm going to give you my analysis. Rapid fire. That's what I was looking for. Rapid fire. We're going to go through this rapid fire. I'm going to give you a short little analysis on how I feel about the landing spot. If you want to know how I feel about the players, just go. I mean, we did a whole uh, episode on most of these guys individually. So if you if you want to know how I feel about these players um, coming into the draft, just go back and look at the episode for each individual guy. Or you could just go to the top 50 rankings episode, um, episode uh, 105, and I go through my top 50 pre-draft rookies, and I give you my analysis on those players. So this is going to be more of how I feel about the landing spot and the draft capital, um, and where I'm going to rank these guys in rookie drafts, because you can, and you can find my rankings. The rookie rankings are updated. These rookies are in the dynasty rankings now they're implemented along with the in along with the veterans are integrated in there and you can go in to the un, the ultimate 2022 dynasty rookie draft guide find these rankings you can find my my post draft analysis write-ups in each of those players we're working on uploading the new player grades the dashboards are already in there so if you go into the yards performance center you can find those in there as well updated um, and we added percentiles along with the overall grade because we kind of realized that if you don't know our grading system, if you don't have the full the full database, you not these numbers really don't mean much. So we added the percentile, and those that's compared to going back to the prospects since 2003. So it's it's a really accurate prospect model. So check that out, the Ultimate 2022 Dynasty Rookie Draft Guide. And we're going to split this up into multiple parts because there's no way you want to listen to me talk for this damn long about these guys all in one shot. So we're looking at probably two, maybe even three episodes, depending on how quickly we can get through this. I know I've been talking for a long time, so let's get to it. It was the 108 where the Falcons took Drake London, the wide receiver one off the board, and the first fantasy football relevant player to be drafted in 2022 and the landing spot for Drake London isn't a home run by any means but the target share should be high from day one with no other legitimate competition outside of tight end Kyle Pitts for targets and even with Pitts commanding his share of the passing game which is going to be high obviously London's going to be just fine he proved he can produce at a high level alongside other talented pass catchers during his early years at USC and that's unlikely to change in the NFL. And after that, after Pitts, it's a bunch of nobodies on the depth chart, leaving the door open for a big rookie season for Drake London. The quarterback situation in Atlanta is still a little uncertain, but it looks like it's going to be Marcus Mariota in the short term, with rookie Desmond Ritter having a chance to become the long-term guy. So I like Drake London. He's my wide receiver two in this class. He was the wide receiver two coming in, and he's going to remain the wide receiver two post-NFL draft. At the 110, Garrett Wilson went off the board to the Jets. I mean, 
shocker that we had a wide receiver to the Jets. I mean, it was obvious that they were going to draft a wide receiver. I mean, could they have made that more obvious? They were pursuing Tyreek Hill. They were pursuing Debo Samuel. They had all these visits with wide receivers. I mean, the most obvious thing was going to be the Jets taking a wide receiver at the 110. And they went with Ohio State's Garrett Wilson. He was the second wide receiver off the board. He slides into what is now one of the more underrated wide receiving course in the NFL. He's likely to play the Z position with Corey Davis at X. And last year's rookie breakout, Elijah Moore, working in the slot. Unfortunately, quarterback Zach Wilson doesn't appear to be the type who can prop up multiple high-end fantasy producers, meaning that Elijah Moore, Davis, Garrett Wilson, they may all become boom-bust plays for as long as they're together. But Wilson is my post-draft wide receiver three. At the 111, the very next pick was Chris Olave, another Another Ohio State wide receiver. The Saints actually traded up to select him with the 11th pick. And they pair him with fellow Ohio State alum, Michael Thomas. And if we get the Buccaneers version of Jameis Winston at quarterback, this could be a fun, fun duo. While Thomas is the established alpha in the offense, he's certainly no spring chicken. And he hasn't had a healthy season since 2019. The baton may be passed to Olave sooner than later. Olave slots in as my wide receiver four and number six overall in one quarterback Ricky rankings. And then we go wide receiver for the third straight pick. The Lions traded all the way up. They really wanted Jamison Williams. They traded up 20 spots to make it happen. They came from the 32 spot. Traded with the Vikings interdivision trade. You don't see that a whole lot. And we don't know when he's going to be healthy enough to get on the field, but when Jamison Williams is healthy and on the field, he's going to be an impact playmaker in what is suddenly a, a kind of a fun offense. And, you know, the good news is, you know, Jared Goff won't be the quarterback forever. So I, I, I still like Jamison Williams, even to the Lions. They clearly want him. He's next after Chris Olave. He's number seven in my post-draft rookie rankings. At the 116, it was another wide receiver. Jahan Dawson to the Commanders. He may actually have the best quarterback situation of all the first-round wide receivers. Carson Wentz obviously is far from a good real-life quarterback, but his gun-slinging tendencies will benefit both Dawson and the incumbent wide receiver one, Terry McLaurin. So Dotson is number 11 in my post-draft rankings. Traylon Burks came off the board. We talked about the Titans trading for trading away A.J. Brown, acquiring the 118 from the, from the Eagles. And with the 118, they took Traylon Burks. He was my wide receiver one going into the draft, and he remains atop my wide receiver rankings at its conclusion. While the landing spot isn't perfect... You know, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback and in a run for his offense. You know, not the greatest. But Burke steps in as the clear alpha and top target in Tennessee's offense. 
with A.J. Brown no longer there, he's in Philadelphia, and only post-ACL surgery, Robert Woods is the only other competition at wide receiver on the depth chart, Burks is in as good a situation as we could ask for outside of, you know, going to Green Bay or, or Kansas City. He's going to be a target hog who can win in all areas of the field and eat up yardage after the catch with the best of them. He's so good at that. Draft him as a top five pick in this class. Like I said, I have him as my wide receiver one and number three overall. At 120 was the first quarterback off the board. Kenny Pickett to the Steelers. He's staying in Pittsburgh. While it's a fun storyline, Pickett is far from a lock to have a positive outcome. With that said, he lands in an in as ideal of a situation, just like just like with Traylon Burks. An ideal situation as we could ask for. Mitchell Trubisky doesn't pose much of a threat as as far as a quarterback competition. And the talent around him will give Pickett the best chance to succeed whenever he gets his opportunity, which I expect is going to be pretty pretty early on. I think he's got a damn good chance to be the QB1 in Week 1 for the Steelers. He's got Deontay Johnson to throw to, Chase Claypool. They drafted George Pickens. They got Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris in the backfield. Things are all set up. Great defense. Things are great for Kenny Pickett as good of a situation as you can ask for for an incoming rookie, especially as a guy who's not one of these high-end guys that we've seen come out over the last couple years, like a Burrow or a Lawrence, you know, quarterbacks like that coming out. He's not at that level, but the situation that he's going to be in in Pittsburgh, I think, is really going to help him succeed, have the best chance to be a successful quarterback from day one. So let's move to the second round. The 202, it was Christian Watson. We were shocked. We were disturbed. We were pissed off that the Packers didn't draft a quarterback. They had two, not a quarterback, a wide receiver. They had two first-round picks, and they went defense with both of them. We could just picture Aaron Rodgers, just his head fucking exploding off after watching that. But they traded up early in the second round. To get Christian Watson, Aaron Rodgers gets his wide receiver. Watson's going to have an opportunity to make an immediate impact on one of the league's most wide-open wide receiver depth charts. While the pick will be viewed as an attempt to replace Devontae Adams, Watson is more in the mold of a Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Watson will be a downfield presence and a red zone threat for Aaron Rodgers. He'll take some jet sweeps and play some special teams as well. The landing spot certainly gives Watson the best chance to reach his ceiling outcome. At the 204, you already know his name. It is Brees Hall to the Jets. They traded up to draft the top running back in the class early in the second round. We love to see that from a fantasy perspective, at least. It's it's an elite landing spot. And Hall is going to be an excellent fit in the outside zone running scheme that the Jets run. He will easily supplant last year's fourth-round rookie, Michael Carter, to become the three-down bell cow. In an offense that is among the most improved from a talent perspective, Hall should have immediate success. Not that there was any question about four, but Hall is locked into the 101 spot in both one quarterback and super flex rookie drafts. We know how good he is. 
At the 209 was another running back, Kenneth Walker. The Seahawks made the ultimate Seahawks move by drafting Kenneth Walker at pick 41. It certainly wasn't the best decision for real-life football and honestly isn't the most appealing landing spot for fantasy either. Sure, he'll, he'll fit beautifully in that Chris Carson role, but Carson remains on the roster, though you know we know his, his, his health status is quite uncertain at this time. And Rashad Penny's still there as well, which is going to create some murky waters early on. And add to that, Walker's a two-down grinder back in a Drew Locke-led offense. And the short-term outlook is kind of bleak. I'm not going not gonna to lie. I don't love Kenneth Walker for the 2022 season. But with that said, Walker should emerge as the best back on the team at least by the end of the season. He's an incredibly talented runner with elite size-adjusted athleticism. We already know that. And we know Seattle loves to run the ball as much as they can. So once he takes over that backfield and they solve the quarterback situation, Walker will be one of the top workhorse backs in fantasy football. The only problem is how long do we have to wait for that to happen? It might be a year. It might be two years. Who knows? But Walker's ceiling is dependent on it. At 211, Wandell Robinson to the Giants, of course, the team that drafted Kadarius Tony in the first round a year ago, is going to select Wandell Robinson in the second. I don't really have much to say here on Robinson. We've already done the, I think it was the last episode um, that we talked about. I mean, maybe it was two episodes ago. I think we talked about Damian Pierce in the last episode. So episode 106, we broke down Wandell Robinson. I talked about all how I feel about him. So I'm going to be very brief here. You know, he has an impressive production profile, but that size without elite athletic traits limits his ceiling. At the 212 is John Mechie to the Texans. Mechie should slide right into the starting slot role in Houston with Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins manning the boundaries. He could become a favorite target for Davis Mills as soon as he's recovered from that late season ACL injury. And at the 218, my Patriots took Tyquan Thornton. Who? Right, right. What the? I got to tell you, the Patriots draft as a Patriots fan was infuriating. I can't really bitch about it much because we got, I mean, the success the Patriots have had over the last 20, 20 or so years. You can't really bitch about where they are right now. But, I mean, come on. The draft was brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. And the Taekwon Thornton pick was probably the worst part of it. I mean, this dude, what are you doing? You could have gotten him rounds and rounds later. I mean, I respect and appreciate that they're clearly trying to add speed to their offense. I mean, I think it's much needed. And they should have been doing that years ago. But, I mean, this is a guy you could have gotten rounds later. However, with that said... When we plugged in the second round draft capital into Taekwon Thornton's uh, profile in our in our prospect model, he didn't look too bad. He actually looked pretty solid. So maybe the Patriots know what they're doing. Probably not. We know how bad they are at drafting wide receivers. I'm probably not drafting Taekwon Thornton in rookie drafts unless he really slides. And even then, at that point, I want to draft running backs anyway. Whatever. Frustrating. Whatever. At the 220, it was George Pickens to the Steelers. 
He came off the board at pick 52. It was a little later than expected, but the landing spot is solid. The Steelers were in need of a number three wide receiver with the the offseason departures of Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington. And Pickens can step in and, and be that number three guy immediately. And Pittsburgh is notorious for developing wide receiver talent. And Pickens has about as high a ceiling as any of the wideouts in the class. He could develop into the wide receiver too alongside Deontay Johnson and ahead of Chase Claypool. He's going to be paired with first-round quarterback Kenny Pickett for years to come. And he's one of the better second-round considerations in rookie drafts. At the 221, it was Alec Pierce. A big reach from the Colts here. The second-round pick, Alex, Alec Pierce, over Sky Moore at that. Not just drafting him in the second round, but over Sky Moore. One of the biggest debacles that we saw on day two. With that said, it's a solid landing spot for Pierce from a fantasy football perspective. He gets great opportunity to earn that starting Z position opposite Michael Pittman. He's also a good skill set match with new Colts quarterback Matt Ryan, who has never been afraid to throw it up to his big-bodied wide receivers. At the 222 is the aforementioned Sky Moore. You know how much I love I love Sky Moore. I feel like we all love Sky Moore at this point. He slid a bit further down the board than we'd hoped. And there was talk that he'd go early, you know, as early as the first round. Instead, he drops to pick 54 as the 13th wide receiver off the board. The 13th wide receiver off the board. Wow. The landing spot, however, makes up for all of that. It really does. Headed to Kansas City, pairing up with Patrick Mahomes. He's an excellent fit in the Chiefs' offense, which just lost Tyreek Hill, as we know, this offseason. And Moore is no Hill, obviously, but his speed, explosion, quickness, his versatility, it's all going to give Matt Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid a fun weapon to play with. Moore remains one of the top and most exciting wide receivers to draft in 2022 Dynasty Rookie Drafts. At the 223, we had our first tight end off the board. Trey McBride to the Cardinals. Second round draft capital, not too shabby. The Cardinals have been trying to solve the tight end position for a few years now. And I think they got their long-term answer in Trey McBride. At least they think so. Tight ends typically typically take longer to develop than running backs and wide receivers. So by the time McBride is ready to move into that tight end one spot, the incumbent Zach Ertz probably won't be in the way anymore. McBride is in a tier by himself atop this tight end class. And at the 231, it was James Cook to the Buffalo Bills. And it was well known that the Bills were interested in adding to their running back room all offseason. I mean, they... they they were on the edge of having J.D. McKissick. I mean, he basically signed and then backed out, went back to Washington, fucked over Antonio Gibson. But the Bills got their guy. They want that pass-catching running back. James Cook in the third round, actually second round, borderline third round, but it counts... 231 is the second round. He's immediately the most talented back on that roster. 
He may not be the greatest first and second down in between the tackles runner type guy, but Cook is going to be an impact player on passing downs. Now on a team that is as pass happy as Buffalo, there will be a ton of opportunities for Cook to get the ball in his hands. He may end up on the field a lot more than we projected during the pre-draft process. So I think that's where we're going to wrap it up here at the end of the second round. We'll do a part two, maybe a part three if we need it. I don't think we'll need it. I know you guys don't want to hear me talk anymore. We kind of hit our limit of that for the day. So we'll break this off. Look early next week, probably Monday, maybe Tuesday. I'll drop drop the next episode, episode 109. We'll do part two of my landing spot, draft reaction, how I feel about these guys in Dynasty, all that fun stuff. In the meantime, you can find my my rankings on the website or on the app. Just search yardsperfantasy.com or Yards Per Fantasy in the App Store. You know what you know what it's all about. You know what it's all about at this point. Check out the ultimate 2022 Dynasty Rookie Draft Guide. And hey, sign up for our newsletter. Go to the website, yardsperfantasy.com. On the menu, you can find it under home. Sign up for our newsletter. Or you can do it at the bottom of the of the homepage. It's right there. Sign up, put out some pretty cool stuff. Um, gonna start putting out some exclusive content through the newsletter. Pretty awesome. Um, I'm excited about it. Um, and then there's another tier that you can add and be a VIP by just giving us your phone number. You don't have to pay us, you don't have to do anything. We're not gonna text you like crazy, and we're not actually sending out text messages yet, but we're kind of starting to build up a contact list so that in the future we can start sending out some personalized text messages, alerts to help you win with your personal fantasy team. So I'm excited about that. So you can become a VIP right there on the fantasy, the Yards Per Fantasy website. Um, this is the end of part one. I'm going to stop babbling, I promise. See you in episode 109 for part two. Thanks, guys. Cue that music. Oh, 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 oh,